Hello and welcome to the JCBC Podcast. My name is Sean, and I'm so grateful that you found our podcast. Listen, the JCBC Podcast is a collection of several sermons that have been preached over the years at Johns Creek Baptist Church. I pray that as you find these sermons and you listen to them, they would meet you where you are in your journey. And I trust that God will do something in these words to lift up your head, if only for a little while. So go ahead and subscribe to us and follow along. Good morning, church. I'm so glad that you all are here today. Um, And also, good morning to the people who are worshiping with us in the family of Life Center and those who are watching online. Uh, If you do not know me, I am Annie Westbrook. I am the children's pastor, and I'm so happy to be with you all today. Uh, A couple of months ago, uh, Pastor Sean asked me to be part of this sermon series as we're talking about our vision and hope and goals for our church during this year of 2020. Uh, And so I am very thankful to have the opportunity today to share God's Word with you all. So let's start first, though, with the word of prayer. Please be our vision, O Lord of our hearts. May nothing else matter to us but you, Lord. Be our best thought by day and by night. In this time of worship, let your presence be our light. Lord, be our wisdom and our true word. We will abide with you and you in us, Lord. For you are our Father and we are your children. Dwell inside us and let us be one. Amen. This morning, we're going to start with Scripture from Titus chapter 2. And you can follow along on the screen. As to you, Titus, talk to them. Give them a good, healthy diet of solid teaching so they will know the right way to live. Here's what I want you to teach the older men. Enjoy everything in moderation. Respect yourself and others. Be sensible and dedicate yourselves to living an unbroken faith demonstrated by your love and perseverance. And here's what I want you to teach the older women. Be respectful. Steer clear of gossip or drinking too much so that you may teach what is good to young women. Be a positive example, showing them what it is to love their husbands and children, teaching them to control themselves in every way and be pure. Train them to manage the household, to be kind, and to be submissive to their husbands, all of which honor the word of God. Encourage the young men in the same way. In every situation, they should learn to control themselves. Titus, you have to set a good example for everyone. Go out of your way to do what is right. Speak the truth with the weight and authority that come from an honest and pure life. No one can argue with that. Then your enemies will cower in shame because they have nothing bad to say against us. The book of Titus isn't one that we hear from very often. 
We don't know much about the church in Crete, which is where Titus was leading and serving. What we do know is that the church in Crete was under threat of being led astray by false doctrine, by teachings that broke apart families and made the church as a whole look very bad. There were many people who called themselves believers in Crete who were getting in the way of the way, as Pastor Sean said a few weeks ago. Crete was also a city of loose moral standards. The mindset of most Cretans was self-indulgent, and their behaviors showed that. They took what they wanted when they wanted it, and the idea of limits and moderation were not highly regarded. Neither was respecting others. Titus was asked to bring the light of Christ's good news to to the disorderly land of Crete and train up leaders who would then train up the next generation of the church. When we pick up here in chapter 2, the letter to Titus is encouraging healthy and solid teaching. The Greek word that is translated here is hugiaino. My Greek is a little rusty, but I think I said that right. (laughs) Which means healthy, wholesome, or well. Titus is instructed to teach healthy doctrine that will bring life, goodness, and wholeness to his people. The verses that follow are instructions that may seem obvious. I mean, who has to tell a mother to love her children, right? Uh, But it was actually contrary to the way that the people of Crete lived. For example, men, rather than being self-indulgent, enjoy everything in moderation. Instead of using your power to control others, respect others, and show them love and kindness. Women, don't seclude yourselves and give over to gossip and slander. Instead, show the young wives and mothers that they aren't alone in the hard job of wifehood and motherhood. Help them on their way. Young men, don't give in to the temptations of youth and make reckless decisions. Instead, have self-control. Even Titus is encouraged that when he teaches and is an example of that doctrine that is encouraging, loving, and full of healthy life, that the community around the church will not be able to say anything negative about Christianity. Those who are attempting to lead the church astray will have no ground to stand on. No one can argue with an honest, healthy, and pure life. Now, there's a lot that we can take away from these few verses. This outline of Christian character in action, as William Barclay calls it, is compelling. We all could use a little more self-control, moderation, love, and guidance in our daily lives. But what I want us to focus on today instead, is the beautiful image of an interdependent Christian community. A community where every person, no matter their age, has a part to play. There is a role designed for every age and station, and wisdom is passed down from, from one generation to the next. 
This passage isn't just about how we should live. It's also about how we can help each other live. We can be examples of love, caring, and self-control. We can pass down wisdom and teaching, not through judgment or gossip or slander, but through right action, through healthy decision-making, through showing each other that none of us are alone. No matter how old or young, it is our Christian duty to use the experience we've been given to guide and encourage others. These instructions for Titus to pass along were both temporary and permanent. Temporary in the sense that this letter was written for a specific church at a specific place and time with specific cultural restrictions and expectations that no longer hold true today. But it's permanent in the sense that our Christian duty, our responsibility as Christ followers, has not changed. The human condition has not changed. And thankfully, the truth of Christ's healing salvation and call to righteousness has not changed. And we as a church and as people of our church, no matter our age, race, gender, status, or anything else, are called to something more than what this world has to offer. This image that we see in Titus, this idea of a community where men and women, girls and boys, people of all ages come together to worship and live life together is unique now just as it was then. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but it strikes me that, that our con- community and culture are continually getting more and more segregated by age. We have neighborhoods with young families that turn into neighborhoods of empty nesters. Our children are divided up in every area of their lives. Their school days, sports teams, and even more are spent with people of only their age. We become more and more separated from our own families as our grandparents move into communities with people their own age. And there are limited opportunities in our lives to be part of something bigger than ourselves and learn from those who are younger and older than us. Our cultures continues to pit generations against each other. Articles are written about which generation is better than the next, encouraging divisive speech and extreme generalities and stereotypes. Social media divides people by groups, age, and the have and have-nots. We are constantly comparing and pretending to connect while feeling more and more isolated and alone. This isolation can make us feel like we're the only one who has any problems. We're the only kid in our class whose parents are fighting. The only person our age without a cell phone or Snapchat or whose parents don't take us on crazy cool vacations. The only newlywed who is struggling with the transition from being single to being married. The only new parent whose baby won't sleep through the night. 
the only married couple who is still struggling to get pregnant, the only parent of a teen who is struggling to connect with their kid at this stage, the only empty nesters who aren't sure how to connect with each other anymore, the only grandparent who doesn't get to see their grandkids, or the only person who feels like they just don't have a place where they belong. Well, let me tell you, church family, all of that is a lie. None of us are the only one with any problem. Not one of us is the only person who has ever gone through a situation. Of course, every experience is different. Everyone has their own unique feelings when they go through something, but you are not alone. There are people who have been through similar situations and struggles, and they are here in this church. And they can tell you how God brought them through. And my hope and my vision for this church is that we can be the people who bridge the gaps. That we can one day realize that no one, no age, no ministry is more important or better than another, and no one else thinks that either. That the work that God can do through us when we become a church that crosses imaginary barriers will be so much better than we can imagine. Now, of course, there is something good and important that happens when we connect, encourage, and sometimes commiserate with people at the same age and station in life where we are. There is great importance in teaching the Bible at each level of development and life stage. And I'm not suggesting that we get rid of any of that. What I am suggesting is that we are stronger and more powerful united together than split into sections and divisions. Like this passage in Titus says, we need teachers. We need examples. We need people with experience who live a godly life, not only to come to church when the doors are open, but also to start having connections with people in other generations. And those of us in younger generations, I'll admit, sometimes we need to put our phones down. And sometimes we need to act, stop acting like we're too busy or like we already have it all figured out. I'm, I know that, too, for me. And we need to start paying attention to those who have come before us and are leading the way. A study by uh, Dr. Kara E. Powell and Chap Clark shows that young people are more likely to stay committed to their faith and church involvement when they grow up with multiple adult believers who are not their parents, investing in them and creating trusting relationships. That means that while we love parent volunteers, we really, really do, we don't only need parents to volunteer. We need adults of all ages to invest and commit to serving in our children and youth ministries. And kids and youth listening, we need you too. We need you to show up with everything you've got 
ready to learn and grow, ready to serve and be served, ready to focus on the message God has for you, and ready to teach us something. Every Sunday when I'm with our children, they teach me something about the character of God. They remind me of the joy, the purity, and the unbridled love of our God. Our kids remind me what it means to come to God full of faith, ready for the next new thing God has to teach us. And you all know I've also been spending a lot of time with our students in the last eight months. And every time, every time we are together, I am so impressed by them. Sorry. (laughs) They inspire me and encourage me with how deeply they think and how much they care about God and one another. Kids and students, you have a role to play here too. We need you here and we want you here. Our kids and and youth need adults to show them love. Kindness, self-control, moderation, sensibility, all the things that comes from following Christ. Our young families need people who have gone through it to give advice and tell them that it's going to be okay. We need people who will sit in the pews with children and youth next to our families and welcome them, talk to them, show them support and that they belong here. We need to partner together to raise this church up in the way of Jesus. We all need to know that it is possible to live a life worthy of the call we have been given. When I think back to my own childhood and teenage years growing up in church, there are a lot of trusted adults who showed my brothers and me the way. There are many people who invested in us who I could tell you about. But as I was thinking and studying and praying for this sermon, there was one person who kept coming to mind, and I've already been crying, so just keep expecting it. It's just going to keep coming now, y'all. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, But the person who kept coming to mind this time was, his name was Monroe Bridges. Mr. Monroe was a member at Central Baptist Church in Spruce Pine, North Carolina, where my father was the pastor during my middle school and high school years. We moved to Spruce Pine when I was 12, and my brothers were 10 and 4. Mr. Monroe was a deacon and a Sunday school teacher. He was there every time the doors were open, Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, special events, you name it, he was there. And he always had enough either sticks of gum or peppermints to give any child or youth who wanted one on our way into worship. About a year into us being at Central, my brother Davis's kindergarten teacher asked him, Davis, who's the pastor at your church? To which Davis proudly responded, my daddy and mon (laughs) woe. He didn't teach any of our kids or youth classes. But he knew us all by name, and we could tell that he genuinely cared for us and wanted us to be there, 
and that he genuinely cared about the church of Christ. As Mr. Monroe got older and couldn't do as much, we all chipped in to help him out. In our girls' small group, we baked him cookies. Davis and Matthew, those are my brothers, would go with my dad to visit him. We had a couple of youth work days at his house even, where we helped with the yard work, cleaned up the kitchen, whatever needed to be done. And we didn't have to be coaxed into it or convinced. Even as kids and teenagers, we wanted to give back to the man who helped make our church what it is. His faithfulness to God and the church meant a lot and stuck with many of us. He was a relationship that made a difference. And this mutual service and love that we all shared, this is the kingdom of God. This is the type of relationship that breaks down barriers, that doesn't judge or stereotype or look down on anyone, but it builds a bridge and it shines the light of Christ. This is the type of relationship that teaches sound and healthy doctrine and shows others how to live an honest and pure life. This is the type of relationship that many of you have already built through teaching Sunday school, holding our nursery babies, volunteering at Vacation Bible School, chaperoning youth trips, and welcoming youth and children into worship with you. But this is the type of relationship that we need more of. We aren't the kind of church who stays in our lane with our people, hoping we make it through. We are the type of church that values community and missions and the gospel of Jesus. We can find all of this in our core values, and we can all find ourselves and the people that we love in these core values. Our core values as a church challenge us to live in the healthy and right way that we see in Titus 2. We value excellence in the worship of God. We come here and sit together every week to worship the God who creates, redeems, and sustains us. Authentic worship breaks down boundaries. It unites us as we come, just as we are, broken people in need of healing and wholeness. Here, in the presence of our Savior, we are all equal. <clears throat> there is no age, race, gender. There is only freedom as we rest as children of the all-loving, all-present, all-knowing, all-powerful God. We can trust that here, as we worship together, God is doing something in us, both individually and as a community of faith. We value theological depth and diversity. In kids' Sunday school, youth Sunday school, adult Sunday school, in the songs we sing, in the sermons we preach, in our weekly Bible studies, even in our weekday preschool, at our youth nights and youth retreats, we value depth. We don't swim in the shallow end. We wade deep in the waters that Scripture and the Spirit are stirring up. 
We teach each other. Sometimes we disagree with each other. We love each other through the differing opinions and the struggle that Scripture can sometimes bring. We trust each other and trust God at every stage of our theological development. We push each other to continue to grow, and we need each other to do that. We need teachers with experience in life. We need older men and women teaching younger men and women. We also need younger women and men teaching older women and men. We need to be open to learn from everyone that God puts in our path and be willing to share what God is teaching us. We value authentic Christian community. Like I said earlier, we already do that, and we do it well, but we can always do it better. There is always someone who needs a friend, someone on the outside who can be brought in, someone on the fringes hanging by a thread who needs to be pulled back into our JCBC community. We do our best to be a place where all God's children belong. Being that place means examining our biases and letting go of stereotypes. Being that place means stopping judgment so we can lead with love. Being that place means crossing barriers and letting the Spirit bind us together against all odds. Being that place means living our lives in such a way that when people in the surrounding community see and hear that we are part of Johns Creek Baptist Church, it makes them want to be part of it too. We value the gospel of Jesus Christ and the growth of his church. There is no way to look at the gospel of Jesus Christ and not see how we all belong. Jesus' life was the ultimate honest and pure life. He brought in the outcasts, ate with sinners, healed the people on the outskirts of the community. He taught women and children in the same place as men, which at that point in time was completely opposite of how religious teaching was done. <clears throat> he did all of this while resisting temptation and sacrificing himself for the salvation of the world. He calls us to spread the good news and multiply the kingdom. When we value the gospel and the growth of the church, we live like Jesus lived, in community and courageously taking bold steps to when God shows us where to go. We value congregational courage. Those of us in younger generations, those of us who are newer to the church, we need to hear the stories of our congregational story, the stories of how God led us to move our church, change the name, and start brand new on what was once a farmland in a community that was just coming into existence. The stories of how God multiplied the church, and as we grew, we took steps to build more, provide more, and love more, and give more. The stories of how our beloved leaders retired or moved and things changed and it was uncomfortable, but God was faithful and we are still here. We need to hear the stories of how God is leading you right 
now. Stories of where God is leading our church. We commit to be brave and bold in seasons of change. And we trust that God is never finished with us, no matter how old or young we are. So we won't be finished with God or each other either. We value responsible Christian stewardship. We value paying off debt so we can provide the old and the young with better facilities, better opportunities, and better programming. We value giving to the kingdom of God so that our children can see that our generous and giving God will always provide. We value giving to the church and its ministries because we, that we believe in so that our people and the people we serve will have the opportunities to grow deeper and to form Christian community. We value giving in order to be a blessing to others in our community and in our world. We value a missional consciousness where every member is mobilized to serve. I almost couldn't say consciousness. I'm a little concerned that that one was the one that we picked. <laughs> Missions is at the core of who we are as a church, who we are as Baptists, and who we are as followers of Christ. Christ calls all of us not only to study Scripture and be in community with one another, but Christ also calls us to serve and to spread that gospel. A missional consciousness means being aware of the needs of our church, community, and world, and then doing something about it. It's one thing to know the problems and be able to point them out, and it's another more powerful and holy thing to do something about it, to take action. It's a powerful and holy thing to go on a mission trip, to serve with one of our community partners, to participate in our missions day, and to give to our missions offering. It is a powerful and holy thing to teach children or youth in Sunday school, to be an adult community leader or seminar leader, to lead a Bible study or lead worship with our choir and worship band. It is a powerful and holy thing to see a need that should be filled and fill it. To recognize that there's a group that should be started and start it. It's a powerful and holy thing to be part of whatever God is up to here in this building, in our church, and in our community. When we really look at who God has called our church to be and what is important to us, we see that we all fit in. Our age doesn't define us. Our station in life doesn't define us. The goals we have or have not met in our lives or even in our church do not define us. Christ in us, around us, moving through us, is the only thing that defines us. We are all part of every effort of our church. From birth to fifth grade, to sixth to twelfth grade, to college, to young adults, to middle age, to senior adult, 
We are all part of all that God is doing here. We are all called to greater and to more. None of us are alone. We are all in this together. And I pray that we be united in the effort to break down the walls that divide us, to form relationships that we never thought would be possible, and to watch in awe and wonder as God takes us places that we could never imagine on our own. Tomorrow and Tuesday, your pastoral staff will be on retreat together, talking about the things that God has plans, planned for us in 2020 and even into 2021. And I hope that you all will pray with us, that we can come up with ways and opportunities that we can do this together that we can intentionally form intentional relationships where we are all changed by one another, where we all encourage each other to grow, where we are open to learn more from each other, even in unexpected places. Because we do know that God is always faithful, that God is always with us, and that when we are seeking the desires of God's heart, those desires will become our own. Let's pray together. Gracious God, thank you again for this church that you have given us. Thank you for the ministries and the people that you have given us to serve and to love and to grow. God, I pray that we take this challenge that we find in Scripture seriously, that we don't stay isolated or act like we have to have it all figured out. God, I pray that we can trust each other to lean on each other as we lean on you. Thank you for who you are. We love you. Amen.